that are alive, you are coming with me. What is this bullshit? Good Trash Genre Cast. I love you. I know. Wax on, right hand. Wax off, left hand. I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. Hello, everybody, and welcome again to the Good Trash Undercast. We're about to be the guy right at the table. We talk about the films you'll never discuss in a film studies course. This week's film will definitely be on um, that lack of syllabi. Uh, it is 1995's Joel Schumacher helmed uh, entrance into the Batman franchise, Batman Forever. No jokey titles about that because, what are you going to say? Uh, Batman Forever. It's actually uh, it's about the uh, set of jewelry that you can buy for an engagement. The Batman Forever wedding ring. Hmm. Um, now at Zales. No, now at Zales, right? Or BC Clark <laughs> if you're from Oklahoma. <laughs> and now you're all singing the jingle if you're local. But anyway, moving right along, let's go ahead and introduce the disembodied voices speaking to your brain. To my left, sir, who are you? My name is Dalton Stewart, and I am here today with Arthur's one and only partner, Dustin. This uh, firefighter turned pastor like Saturday morning <laughs> cartoons and one day dreams of being <gasps> bare naked with a girl. <laughs> two kids man two kids yeah i know but uh honestly it was worth it it happened twice moving right along uh, <laughs> to the far left who that are we you, know sir? of uh my name is arthur gordon and holy rusted metal uh what the the ground it's 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 metal and full of holes oh yeah exactly as the, the exchange that they have it too i love that bell kilmer just goes Oh, okay. yeah. <laughs> no reaction to it whatsoever. Huh? Uh, my name is Dustin Sells, and Dalton, you really are quite bright, despite what people say. That is true. <laughs> that is very true. I am so excited to talk about this movie. <laughs> yeah. So if you're tuning in the show for the first time, this is not a review show. It is an analysis show. If you've been under a rock and did not, um, you know, exist in 1995 or since... Um, you have seen Batman Forever, we assume. However, if you have not, there might be indeed a spoiler or two. And so this is how the reprieve works. We will have a brief uh, synopsis with our brief thumbs up, thumbs down reviews, which will be spoiler free. We'll play a game which might involve mild spoilerage of the Batman verse, the Batverse, if you will. And then uh, from there, we will get down to business, which is our analysis. And uh, from that point forward, all spoiler bets are off. You have been warned. So without any further ado. Mr. Arthur Gordon, voice of that there cinema. Um, let's hear a synopsis of uh, this here movie thing. Yeah. Is, is that what you're going to go with? Yeah. Okay. You're confident? I think it's a movie. No, I meant the the, 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 the delivery on your pitch over to Arthur. No, you're going to stick with that? Yeah. Okay, cool. Batman must battle former district attorney Harvey Dent, who is now Two-Face, and Edward Nigma, the Riddler. With help from an amorous psychologist and a young circus acrobat who becomes his sidekick, Robin. So they just didn't bother to, to mention uh, Dr. Chase Meridian. No, that's the amorous psychologist. Yeah, she didn't but get, a, get a good name. Yeah, she didn't get a name is no, my point. Yeah. yeah, she's not part of the What war. a shitty synopsis. <laughs> she is quite that, What a amorous, shame. Though. She is amorous <laughs> indeed. 
Thanks I mean, for that synopsis, Arthur. Hey, you're welcome. I mean, apparently this is before there was an internet. Um, she's lonesome. Anyway, we're going to move right along. And um, before every segment, I've got to flip my coin to make sure I can talk. Okay. Uh, for that segment. But oh. uh, other than that, I'm good. So what do you got? Heads or tails? Uh, I've got uh, I've got tails. Tails. Dalton, you're first. Uh, let's hear your thumbs up, thumbs down review of Batman Forever. I can do that. So Batman Forever uh, has the distinction of being one of the first movies I remember being uh, swept up in the, the marketing push for. Um, I had not one, not two, but all four commemorative mugs. Uh, I believe they were Burger King? McDonald's. Those mugs yeah. were money. They're they good. were incredible. They were great. Uh, I, those were the mugs that I drank milk out of when I had Oreos as a child. So, yeah, they, this movie was a pretty big fixture in my childhood. I remember. I know for sure I had three. I, I know I had two faces for sure. It was one two of my faces favorite. was, yeah, because I had the coin. The yep. handle was the flipping coin. Yep. It was yep. one of my favorite. Riddler's was the staff. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I had Batman's. A Batman and Robin. I don't Robin's think I ever were, had Robin. I had Batman and Robin, and these theirs were both the bigger of the four. Yes, as I recall. Yes. Yeah. So I, I I was swept up in this movie. I don't remember if I saw it in theaters. I'm honestly not sure, but I know that we had it uh, on VHS as a kid. We had Batman, Batman Returns, and Batman Forever, and Batman Forever was the one I watched the most. Uh, you know what? I'm gonna go ahead and die on this fucking hill. Batman Forever is my favorite of the original four, uh, well, not the original, the Burton Schumacher Batman movies uh, of that first push for franchisement from Warner Brothers. It's my favorite. I'll die on this goddamn hill. I see why people don't like it, and I see why it had the reaction it got when it came out, Uh, because it is tonally completely different from what Burton is doing. Uh, What Schumacher did was take Burton's aesthetic and merge it with... Uh, the 60s TV show. Uh, Burton has made no bones about the fact that he doesn't really give a shit about Batman. I don't think that same argument can be made about Joel Schumacher. Joel Schumacher really seems to have been a huge fan of that 60s TV show because he really kind of nails a lot about that show uh, visually. And again, the aesthetics are are still kind of leaning into that that kind of neo-Gothicism that Burton's doing, but he kind of leans into the art deco of the, the TV series that was really popular at the same time as well. So you get that visually, but in terms of like camera angles and cutting choices, a lot is owed to the Adam West Batman, and especially the use of sound effects, which again, I get what, what people don't like about this movie. It is so different, but especially watching it now in 2017, where Batman is just not fun anymore. Batman Forever kicks ass, dude. Uh, I would much rather... Here's the thing. Are you going to really tell me you would rather watch Batman versus Superman or Justice League than Batman Forever? Is that what you're going to tell me, listener? Because I don't believe you. I don't believe you that you had more fun watching BVS than you did watching Tommy Lee Jones do whatever the fuck he's doing in this movie. Watching Jim Carrey do whatever the fuck he's doing in this movie. Watching Nicole Kidman give probably one of the best performances in this goddamn quadrilogy. Um, Not a lot of great performances uh, in this franchise. Look, I know everybody loves Keaton and Nicholson. Basinger's not that great in that. Um, She she just, and again, we've watched it for the show. I I had to watch it twice. She's, She's just not given really anything to do and again nicole kidman's not really paid any service here either let's let's be honest dr chase meridian is a thinly drawn character uh that boils down to the fact that she has a phd and is really horny that's a those are about her only character attributes and yet nicole kidman really shows up to work here she's having a great time uh all things considered and it's insane to me that everyone in this movie is having such a good time because it is so clearly bad and they're having a wonderful time, and the movie works in spite of itself. Uh, 
it's got probably some of the best fight choreography that is in any Batman movie, which is wild. Um, yeah, no one's Batman trilogy is great. Christian Bale does not get to have any fun fight choreography because that suit is not movable. Even uh, in two and three, when they made it a little bit more flexible, watch those fight scenes, man. He's mostly throwing right hooks. Uh, Batman should be doing all kinds of fun stuff. And in the first scene in this movie that he's in the bat suit and Val Kilmer like takes a dude down and does some like crazy Brazilian jiu-jitsu stuff. I didn't know people were allowed to do that while wearing a head-to-toe rubber suit. That's delightful. What's not to like about this movie? This is a movie that features the Seal song, Kiss from a Rose, as like its, its title track. It is the title track on the Batman Forever soundtrack. I rest my case. Okay. Baby! There it is. More on that later. Uh, Arthur, uh, let's hear your uh, thumbs up, thumbs down review. I don't know if I'll die on the hill, but I'll go down wounded. I, I like this movie a lot. Yeah, man, it's fun. I uh, I had a blast watching this. I don't know the last time I actually sat down and watched it. Uh, I, I Yeah, I got swept up in the marketing for all these movies as a kid, all of them. Uh, I had all of them on VHS. I had all yeah, the action figures. You're from- enough older than me that that makes sense that every single one of them like yeah. got you right at the perfect time. Yeah, I, I had all the toys. I had all that fun stuff. I, uh, I, 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 I really wish uh, the uh, the Two Face figure came with a replica of his coin, a actual like you know scaled replica. And uh, I wish I still had that because I, I thought Two Face was the coolest. Um, and you know, I was really hesitant to rewatch it. I was, you know, worried about you know bubble bursting. I was going to hate it, but I, I had a lot of fun with it. And I don't know if it was lowered expectations or what. I, I enjoy a lot of the performances. I think Tommy Lee Jones is a blast. Uh, you don't see Tommy Lee Jones doing this type of performance ever. He's a very reserved actor. Uh, he's a straight man. He is. He's got a great comedic timing. He really does. He's very, he's very funny. Men in Black or anything like that. You know, he's got a great timing, and he can you know do the comedy thing, especially as a straight man. But to see him do this kind of just no qualms, just over-the-top, bonkers performance that is buck wild. Under Siege is the only other thing I can think of where he goes this big. Yeah. And uh, and I haven't seen that one, so that would, you know, kind of... Yeah, I haven't seen it. Hey, maybe next year. I'm um, thinking so. But, uh, you know, as a kid, though, as a big Riddler fan, I thought, you know, Jim Carrey's the best as a kid. But here, I, th- I think he's the one thing that really takes me out of this movie. I, I, I would agree with that. He's so Jim Carrey. And I, I love Jim Carrey. Uh, but, he, you know, he's really doing the Ace Ventura. He's doing the uh, Dumb and Dumber thing here. And it just doesn't work for me as well. I, I can tell he's having a ball. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure it was a fun film set to work on with him, but uh, I, I just I don't love it. I had to come out strong uh, to fight Dustin's vitriol, but I'm going to go ahead and agree with you now that yeah. uh, we're being a little bit more honest. I really like him as Edward Nigma, yes, uh, Wayne Tech employee. Yeah. I really like what he's doing in that section of the film. As soon as he like becomes a supervillain, the first scene where he's the Riddler, where he goes and meets Two Face, is a lot of fun. Yeah, and it's diminishing returns on every scene he's in after that. I think the the best scene with him in this is when he is uh, Bruce Wayne light when he is really doing the box at the big gala. How's my mole? Yeah, that's that whole sequence. <laughs> he has Vil- Val Kilmer's mole. Yes. That's such a it's good a touch. Uh, uh, but oh, I mean, I like it. I mean, the stuff with Robin is fun. Chris uh, O'Donnell's good in this. Yeah. Uh, I, when he joy rides the Batmobile, that's a great sequence. I think uh, I, yeah, I'm, I'm going to defend this movie. I think it's a lot of fun. I think this movie establishes its tone early. It establishes its world. It establishes its rule uh, rules. And I think it just plays by that for the rest of the movie. And I, I love all the homages to the original show. We've got those slanted angles when we're in danger and we've got the musical cues. We've got the score and it's reinforced with that wham kind of stuff and it's i think it works for me and so for the most part i'm i'm thumbs up on this one 
He fights a gang of dudes whose primary weapons are glow sticks that are also bow staffs. Yes. Yeah. Case closed. All righty. Well, thank you very much for that, gentlemen. Um, Level the playing field. Yeah, sir. go ahead and go, go ahead. ahead Gramps. Go, yeah, go ahead. Come down from the white towers of academia and tell us, <laughs> tell us, fucking plebeians, how we're so dumb because we like this awesome movie. Mr. Metropolis okay. over here. So you, you, you yeah, you, yeah, yeah. Come on, pal, Pressburger. Tell hey. me why I'm wrong. Pal Pressburger is two different people. Yeah, I know. I know. That's, That's your the, superhero name, I'm though. Doing a choke. You're Pal Pressburger now. We, we've like talked Peter about, Parker. We've talked about this on the show before, right? No. About I thought Pal, Pal Pressburger first. I thought Pal and I think Pressburger you've it. was one person because yeah. most people don't even bother to say the and. Pal Pressburger. Yeah. Well, see, here's the problem: is that Bruce, uh, Bruce Wayne, and Batman do need to be two different people. They absolutely do, but they yes. do have to have some sort of overlap between them. The failure of the movie is when Bruce is out of the bat suit. That's what I want to say. I actually love Jim Carrey. I love Tommy Lee Jones. I love the sort of just zany. This is what we're doing. So we're, you like the Adam West aspect. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. I, mean, I wanted to go buy a pair of wooden shoes. There were so many Dutch angles in this film. I mean, it's ridiculous. Um, I, I, I mean, it was so. I mean, that all of that, the, the the glow stick stuff, the kung fu is awesome. Yeah, the fighting is great. Everything in there is is tons and tons of fun. But when Bruce is being Bruce, it's just uh, it, basically it looks like Val Kilmer reading cue cards. And then when it's not that, it's uh, these stupid like inane cycle battles that are trying to elevate a piece that does not belong. Yeah. You have Bruce and Robin, Chris O'Donnell interactions that are completely over the top in in a sort of maudlin melodramatic way, not over the top in the fun hey friend little friend kind of ways that you want it to be. I want this to go ahead and be a sequel to the. 60s TV series, and they decide that they've had too much Tim Burton, and they've got a, somebody, some script doctor somewhere, injected just a little bit of that in there, and made a, a, a movie that could have been easily an hour and a half fun Batman adventure with all the garish colors and the zip zap pal stuff. And they try to ham fist a Tim Burton vision on top of it. It okay. ends up being a mist that falls apart, okay. and okay. I get sick of, and I want to turn off an hour into it. Here is my counterpoint. They do that with Batman and Robin, and it does not work. Uh, and it has – I've seen Forever more recently. I, I, re, I rewatched Forever probably two or three years ago. There's a real good reason for that, though. Batman and Robin I, I rewatched about five years ago. Because George Clooney. You think that's why? You because think, George Clooney. You yeah. think it just – it falls squarely on his inability to sell what they're doing. Yeah. Okay. Um, I'll, I'll rewatch it and get back to you. I think you're right that what is clearly the more Burton-esque stuff does not work as well as the, the Adam Westy stuff. I like aspects of it, though. There, there are things about it that I really like. And again, I, it, it does not work. But I think it gives the movie some subtext and some talking points that are worth talking about and are worth having fun with, especially talking about Batman as a character. So I, I see where you're coming from. I will go ahead and concede it is a weakness in the film, but I also want to go ahead and say I, I think there's something there. I think it brings something to the table. Uh, I, for me, it's a fatal weakness because it just makes me bored. I'm like, okay, okay can we do some more flashy, punchy stuff? Because, it just kills the momentum. Yeah, I, I'm, in, I'm into that movie. I, let's, let's see Jim Carrey be ridiculous. I'm yeah. all for that. But I'm not for listening to, again, uh, Nicole Kindling doing some sort of inane psycho babble. I hate it when you call her that. Uh, she's so brittle. <laughs> don't, don't, don't you dare talk about her that way. Uh, I, I just get tired of that. Now, I did like the initial meetup scenes, though. I mean, when she shows up in lingerie with a bat signal. Their meet-cute's like, really like, fun. Like that sort of like over-the-top kind of thing, the choice of choosing uh, Batman over Bruce Wayne and Bruce Wayne over Batman back and forth. Like, that's fine. I mean, I'm, I'm okay with that. But it's all of these sort of like heavy-handed, you know, if you make a choice to kill someone, well, man's got to do what a man's... Shut up. 
Just, okay, fair. No, okay, just just shut up. Or uh, I think maybe you need to have better dreams, and we'll have the duality of dreams and this sort of dream catcher imagery, and just, just stop it. The, yeah, the replication of the two face imagery onto the dream catcher imagery does not work. I, I, that every time that, that that dream doll shows up, I rolled my eyes. So I'll, I'll give you that. I'll, yeah. I'll give you that. And for but to my money, it's a, it's an absolutely fatal flaw that makes a what again would have been a great ninety minute film into a two hour slog, and it's really just thirty minutes that got to come out of it, and it makes it a much better movie but uh yeah that's why i hate it because okay. it, it's not stupid enough i, I will concede some points so, I, I see where you're coming from so anyway there you go our biases we're generally pro really all the all together said but i'm just mad i paid money for it um but enough about that let's talk about well money and social media dalton say words I can do that. Uh, hi, it's me. This is the part of the show, listener, where I talk directly to you. Normally, I'm talking to Dustin and Arthur. I, it makes me feel weird to talk to you directly when we're doing the show, but this is the part where I say hello. Hi, it's me, Dalton. Uh, would you like to engage with us online? You can do that. Uh, first and foremost, you can go to Good Trash Media the, on Twitter. We're at good underscore trash over there on Twitter. Uh, tell us what you think about the show. Tell us uh, some movies you'd like to see us do. Um, ask us what's going on with the praise down. They have their own Twitter, but you can ask us questions about the praise down. We'll make sure they get to the right people. Um, see, see what's going on over on Twitter. Arthur, uh, does a really good job of, uh, helping keep, uh, movie news flowing through that feed. So, uh, if you're thinking I'm, I'm following too many, uh, movie news things on Twitter, go ahead and, uh, call the feed a little bit. Arthur will take care of you. Uh, we, I, I do my best too, but Arthur's doing the legwork. Let's be honest. Um, I'm, I'm mostly telling you, uh, when we're mad about net neutrality and, uh, telling you that we'll fight anybody who doesn't like porgs. All rage tweets are sponsored by Dalton. Yep. All uh, other tweets are sponsored by me. Pretty much. Uh, we will go ahead and come out officially. Uh, GT, uh, M is officially pro porg. Uh, and if you don't like porgs, we'll fight you in the street. Uh, or, or at least I will. Arthur will watch and shake his head. That's valid. Uh, don't feel the Twitter? That's okay. You don't have to do that. We're also on Facebook. I'm going to be honest with you. We don't check that as much, but nope. uh, it's <laughs> facebook.com forward slash GTM. If you send us a you know a question or something, we'll get to it eventually. Um, but as I've been saying the last couple of weeks, you don't need to you don't need to do that. If you don't want to be part of social media right now, I can't say that I blame you. I I, I find uh, it a tedious task most days. Take a break. Don't do that. You can just send us an email. That's easier. If you want to talk to us and you don't feel like social media is worth it right now, send us an email. That's uh, goodtrashmedia at gmail.com. Uh, or uh, subscribe to the show on iTunes. Uh, we love it when you do that. We love it when you write us reviews. Uh, it is super helpful and um, a great place to uh, give your feedback and a great way to help spread the word on the show that doesn't really require much of anything from you. Uh, just just that subscribe and that review and that rate and that... Um, that rating words are hard listener uh that that does a lot to keep us uh, showing up when people are looking at other podcasts you know it, it helps us showing up in the you might also like shows like this so uh, do that for us uh that's all we've got for you for social media we, we've got some some talk about patreon coming up next week uh we might be, we're going to be bringing that back um but uh, we'll talk to you more about that next week all right well there you go thank you very much for that mr dalton stewart i believe now it is time same bat place, same bat channel. Time to play the game. Time to play the game. Time to play the game. <laughs> and we're back, and we are playing this week's game, which is um, our casting of the Rogues Gallery. Uh, that's right, casting call for Batman's Rogues Gallery, brought to you by Batman Forever. Batman Forever. They really did go all in and marketing the fact that Tommy Lee Jones and Jim Carrey were in this movie. 
So yeah, that's what we're gonna do. Uh, yep. th- this was, um, I mean, really, it started with Batman Returns. Uh, yes, but all Batman movies uh, up until uh, BVS. I mean, that's a huge part of the marketing for those films. Is who's the bad guy gonna be? Yeah. I mean, um, in the lead up to Dark Knight and Dark Knight Returns, how many fake ass news articles did you read about uh, DiCaprio maybe being the Riddler? Right. I mean, that's just part of the media machine behind. Uh, Warner Brothers when they make a Batman movie. They love it when you do that. And uh, honestly, it's obnoxious. Don't play into it. But it's fun to play with your friends at home. So we're going to do that. And I also don't know. I mean, I mean, there are a handful of character superheroes that have just a beloved rogues gallery. Batman's got a deep Batman edge. Deep and Spider-Man are probably the top two. When yeah. I think of rogues galleries, those are the first two I always go to. I couldn't name five Superman villains. No. I couldn't. I, I could couldn't, do two or three. I couldn't name five Iron Man villains. You know, I, I mean, and that's not much because he was a C, C player for a long time. But, yeah. you know, that idea of having so many villains to go up against. Just... Well, and that's the weird thing I think about both of those rogues galleries, right? Is that Batman and Superman both, like, donate their villains to their larger universes yeah. a bunch. Yeah. And, uh... I think it's just because the the creative teams on those those early uh, pictures uh, or those early books realized, let's get a lot of characters in here and let's try to do something interesting with uh, the dynamics between our hero and our villain. And they they just kind of had staying power. And I and I think another thing with Batman is uh, you know we had such a um, and and with Spider Man the the Rogues Gallery usually somehow reflect the hero in, in certain ways, you know, and a, a lot of it with Batman was the duality type of thing, you know, Two Face or uh, the even in this movie Two Face and Riddler. Uh, but there's usually some aspect of that. Nolan plays a lot with this, with fear in the Scarecrow and, and things like that. And uh, so I, I, I just think, you know, there's a lot of hype behind casting these, these villains because they are so beloved. But before we get into all that, I just want to point out, last week I called out Jurassic Park for having a stupid, absurd scene uh, with a talking raptor. And in this week's movie, it's filled with goofy moments, how absurd is it that Chris O'Donnell does his laundry? Uh, Kung Fu laundry. <laughs> Arthur... <laughs> Arthur, I love Kung Fu Laundry. Is that how you put up your laundry? Every day. Every, Every day. I do laundry just so I can put it up like that. <laughs> I can't believe we are just now talking about Kung Fu Laundry. Yeah, that's, that is strange. My God, how did we not get to this With those absurd moments. That one really takes the cake. And that's, that's a lesson to Jurassic Park 3. If yeah. you're going to fuck around, do it in a Lincoln. Yeah. All right. Anyway. All right. So my first pick, we're doing this Rogue's Gallery. And I think I'm going to actually kick off. Uh, we're... we're probably going to stick to characters that haven't really been adapted but there's one i want to one i need to redeem uh because he's one of my favorites and that is victor freeze um you know played belovingly by arnold schwarzenegger uh everybody freeze um but uh i I, the way that they uh i cannot think of words tonight but the way that they kind of rewrite and restructure victor freeze in the early 90s and it starts with the animated series uh, and they give him this beautiful, tragic backstory, uh, you know, with his wife and not being able to save her. And it kind of drives him over the end. I, I always thought it was just brilliant. I thought that was a character that you could do so much with in a film, similar to Doc Ock in Spider-Man 2, I think. And uh, I, I would really like to see a, a Victor Freeze, a Mr. Freeze, who is more true to the original uh, animated series, who kind of follows that arc um with a lot more tragedy and a lot more heart and i'd put a guy like david straight here in there um i love david straight he's good man um good night and good luck is one of my favorite movies he is just a rock solid actor he's kind of got this very cold stoic nature i think that could work very well obviously for victor freeze and uh i i i, I had had this whole idea one time you know where uh 
you know, if he was in the Nolan verse where, uh, you know, Victor Freeze could have been like this, uh, this guy, this doctor who got sold out to the mob or whatever. And really, he just becomes cold as ice. You know, it's the more of the metaphorical type of thing, really. Yeah, if we're, if we're going to go uh, that more, that more grounded, world. Or real world stuff. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, he kind of becomes just like this cold as ice killer. And uh, But I, I just think Victor Freeze is such a strong villain, uh, especially against uh, Batman, uh, that he just never really got his, uh, his just rewards, his just desserts in the films. And so uh, that's the one I would want to redeem. And that's the only one I'm going to try to redo and save from the uh, the movie so far. All righty. Well, thank you very much for that, Mr. Arthur Gordon. Mr. Dalton Stewart, what's your first selection? Uh, my first selection, I am going to go ahead and pick one that I would like to see uh, another stab taken at to, to lead us off here. Uh, and, and really, it's, it, I think it's been long enough. Uh, there's a lot of characters that have already gotten a double dip. Uh, but I, I think it's, uh, it's time to give the Riddler another go, uh, especially with uh, Warner Brothers just greenlighting anybody that comes to them with a Batman idea at this point. I, I don't really understand how this works anymore. Guys, I'm going to Hollywood. So, J- so J- Jake Gyllenhaal is also going to be Batman too. Okay. I'm confused. Anyway, is there still a Matt Reeves Batman film on the works? That's the one that I think Gyllenhaal is going to be Batman in. I, okay. I guess they're going to go ahead and lean into it being a, a young Batman set place in the, the same universe. This is, this is the thing. No one knows what Warner Brothers is doing. So we're just going to go ahead and assume none of their, their rules are in play right now. <laughs> Warner Brothers doesn't know what they're doing. They don't know what they're doing. Um, I, I'm going to go ahead and say Sam Rockwell. Really, uh, he, he's creeping up on being too old for it almost, uh, which really hurts me to watch Sam Rockwell like aging into parts for somebody um, that's a young, an older man. Uh, watching Sam Rockwell age out of uh, 30s and 40s roles and into 50-year-old roles is very bizarre for me. Um, it's going to open up a whole new phase of his career that's going to be really awesome. But, uh, man, that's somebody I really like. So while he, he can still be cast as the villain in, in uh, superhero movies, let's get him as the Riddler. Uh, first of all, he's going to dance. Sam Rockwell usually dances. It's going to give him ample opportunity to dance. Uh, and I, I think his energy is just right for it. You know, there is a um, a menace to his charm sometimes that he's really good at bringing to screen, especially things like Choke or uh, Three Billboards outside of Ebbing, Missouri this year. Um he he plays menace and charm together um, very well uh, in a way that I think will work for that character. And uh, he's just the the musicality of the way he speaks, uh, I, I think, really works for that character. And uh, I think if we give that character another shot within the next five years, that is the actor to do it. All righty. Well, thank you very much for that. Uh, my first selection <clears throat> is a double selection. I want to see a two-villain team up okay. for a film. All right, and I'm going to start with Calendar Man, who is somebody nobody knows. Calendar Man is a uh, uh, sort of a serial criminal that does particular crimes corresponding to particular holidays on the calendar. So this is how the film opens up, and it is very much a seven kind of Batman investigation, trying to figure out this sort of themed set of crimes as they're taking place with a time clock running down, knowing that there's another holiday coming up and no telling how many leprechauns will die at St. Patrick's Day or whatever um, that's going to be going on. But then I want to add to that a Teen Titans villain, uh, Clock King, and have a time travel thing that happens that they team up, and now Batman has to travel back and forth into time into specific dates in history to prevent specific crimes, culminating in the day his parents are shot. Oh, I like this. And making the choice whether or not to keep it from happening where he would become Batman or not. Do we have casting choices for these villains? I really don't. Okay. I I don't know how. I mostly just like the pitch. That's fine. I'll take that. Yeah, take that to Hollywood. They're buying anything. I want that movie real bad. Just overcomplicate that universe because that seems to be their bag right now. (laughs) Right? So they're all in. (laughs) Add time travel. 
your your soul. So 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 time traveling, um, beginning with something of a seven investigation, but then the clock king comes in and it gets crazy from there. So that's my first lecture. I go back to Arthur Gordon. What do you got next? Uh, another one of my favorites uh, that I, I want to see, and we saw him in film last year. I guess, oh, man, I'm actually going to skip that one because I don't want to do that. Um, <laughs> just because we already saw him, and I don't want to bring it back up. It was going to be Killer Croc. But uh, I'm going to move on to my uh, one of my other picks, and that's uh, Clayface. Good pick. Uh, um, strong pick. That's who, one of mine. Yeah. Uh, Basil Carlo is just a fascinating character. He, this actor who becomes uh, kind of disfigured and has to use this cream. That, so that's the fourth Clayface. Is it? Yeah. Is Basil the fourth? I think. I don't know. Memory's not certain. There's a there lot. Are several. Yeah. There's yeah. several. There's uh, several. But essentially, you know, this this guy that becomes overtaken with this ability to just transform in anything, but he's this huge just clay monster. Uh, I, I think uh, you could have a lot of fun with that. I've got two guys in mind, and either one of them could work, I think. Uh, but I'm thinking this is a character that's going to have to do with uh, some uh, capture work. And so I, I, I'm really leaning Andy Circus. I think he could do a great job. Don't think great. you're wrong there. But uh, And maybe it's a dual thing, mm-hmm. but uh, maybe Andy Circus is the clay face monster, but when he's in a more humanized form, the other guy I was thinking who could just bring a lot of levity and... and, and uh, Weight to the role would be uh, Michael Shannon is the other guy I'm thinking. Who, yeah, uh, uh, Michael Shannon's just phenomenal. Should actor. be the bad guy in all movies. Yes, he's he's superb uh, as Dustin can attest. He just saw him as a bad guy in a uh, in a movie he just watched, uh, and so Good. I uh, I I think Michael Shannon should be a a supervillain. I think he should be a better supervillain than the ones we've seen him play before. And well, uh, and I know what the listeners thinking. Wait a second, wasn't he already General Zod? Yeah, you think Michael Shannon gets to shit? Yeah. Why should you? I mean, Chris Evans is like five superheroes already. Yeah. What are we doing? Ryan Reynolds has been like four. Or yeah, something. Michael Shannon doesn't give a damn. Yeah, he'll Shannon. be he'll be two different characters in the same universe. Yeah. And so uh, yeah, <laughs> it would make sense for Warner Brothers anyway. So uh, let's just make it wonky. Uh, but I, I think Clayface is just an interesting character, and so I would I'd really like to see that take. Uh, and you could go a lot of ways with it. You can maybe do a little meta stuff with it and some film stuff. You know, he is an actor. One of the Clayfaces was an actor. Uh, but uh, yeah, Dag it, yeah, yeah. That would be one of my uh, that would be my second pick. I like it very much, uh, Mr. Dalton Stewart. What's number two for you? My number two pick is a character that we we've seen done a couple of different ways, and I I don't know that there's ever been a, a screen version. Um, and, and that's really what I, I'm struggling with. I don't know that we've ever seen uh, Hugo Strange on stri- on screen. No. Uh, Hugo Strange is a really fun Batman villain because it allows you the option to bring in other Batman villains. Yeah. That's usually how he does things. Uh, he's he is in Gotham, isn't he? Uh, probably. I don't watch that show. I know he was in the the second Batman game, uh, Arkham City. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he's the heavy. I, I remember game. there was a lot of rumors about him maybe being in the Nolan verse. I remember that was a big rumor for a while. Which makes sense because I mean he is a character that allows you to keep things grounded if that's where you want to go. I think what's more interesting is to go bigger, go that supervillain, that really supervillainy route. Because uh, I mean, you a strange. That's his whole thing, right? He's a. Uh, He's he's a mad scientist that can also kick the shit out of guys, uh, which makes him a fun villain for Batman. Um, let's go Donnie in. I mean, let's let's quit playing around here. Yeah. We need to get Donnie in in the Batman universe. That's a real big mistake. Uh, Hugo Strange is a character that I don't think uh, anybody's going to be mad. And you know what? If even if they are mad, fuck him. Who cares? Give me some Donnie in because he he has the acting chops to play reserved. Uh, he has the acting chops to to be that that very specific kind of villain. Um, he's great at playing villainous roles. Uh, he's the only reason anybody went to see the uh, the third Triple X movie. We all know that that was Triple X three starring Donnie Yen and featuring Vin Diesel. Um, you know you need more Donnie Yen in your life, uh, and I, I think him as this guy that takes over Arkham Asylum uh, and starts slowly but surely. 
setting up a giant prison break is a really fun place to go. And I, I think Donnie Yen will will bring you that gravitas that doesn't lead you to believe it's going to be a physical confrontation. So when he does kick the shit out of Batman, it's going to be really interesting. All right. Thank you very much for that, Mr. Dalton Stewart. Now, this one I don't have a pitch to go with. I just simply want to see the villain. And the villain I want is Firefly. Uh, oh, yeah, Firefly, yeah, yeah. the special effects artist. And I want to see him played by Zachary Quinto. Uh, because I think uh, his sort of, like, meticulous Spockness. If he brings that to the role, and it does something of an origin story, something similar to what we have with Edward Nigma with the Riddler, uh, he is sort of jilted and uh, by you know the powers that be, and then he just goes murderous and mad, and Batman has to track him down with another villain or any number of villains is fine. But I, I feel like Zach Quinto could do this and uh, could really bring some interesting gravitas uh, to the role as well. And I'd just like to see Firefly come back because I like that character. So there you go. There's our number twos, our number ones. Here we go. Arthur Gordon, go. Um, man, I, I'm trying to, the, the killer croc thing really threw me off my, uh, my game. I wasn't prepared. Um, you know what? I, I think a really great story I'd like to see played out, um, is Hush. Uh, yeah. I think Hush would be a great character to bring in. Yeah. I think you can go a lot of ways with that story. Um, you, uh, you know, you can play a lot of the same ideas of kind of duality and things like that, you know, and. And you could also kind of play with the idea of if you do have this extended universe set up and you're playing with that, you could bring in some of these other villains uh, that we've seen before uh, as foils uh, as Batman tries to get to the big bad who is behind it all in, in Hush himself. And I, I think I'd go somewhere with uh, maybe an Oscar Isaac. Uh, I'd like to see uh, someone like that who can uh, really play a variety of roles. Um, we've seen him kind of as a mastermind in uh, Ex Machina. And so I think he could bring something to the role that would be really interesting. And he's kind of a pretty boy, which I think fits that bill as well. And so uh, that's what I'd like to see. I think Hush is a pretty solid storyline. I think it's a really solid uh, collection of, uh, of works. And so uh, I think it's a character that could be fun to uh, have in a uh, movie. I think you could build a really solid movie about that. All righty. Well, thank you very much for that, Mr. Arthur Gordon. Mr. Dalton Stewart, what is your number one pick? So my final pick is... Uh, a pair of characters uh, that we've seen a couple of times, and I just, I know it's an eventuality that we will get back around to these characters because I think uh, the longer that Warner Brothers keeps making superhero movies, the more likely they're going to go big, uh, which seems to be the thing they're not scared to do anymore. Uh, let's get that Ra's al Ghul and that Talia al Ghul back. Um, yeah, I know we got them in Batman's Nolanverse and they were prominent fixtures, but let's get them back. And when we bring them back this time, let's, you know, I'm sorry, I love me some Liam Neeson too. Liam Neeson does not look like a Ra's al Ghul. No. You feel me? Nope. He doesn't. He doesn't. Ra's al Ghul is harder uh, for me to cast. We're going to skip to Talia, and we're going to say Sophia Boutella, um, the uh, the French Algerian actress who is just blowing up right now. She's an atomic blonde. Uh, she's in that mummy movie that nobody cared about except for her. Uh, <laughs> she's great. She's great. Uh, she's in the first Kingsman movie. She's absolutely fantastic. Uh, she has uh, got a dance background, so she's fine doing her own fight choreography, which I think is a must for anybody that's going to show up uh, in any of these movies. Um, that's an important thing to take into consideration when you're casting people in a potentially punchy movie. Um, so that's really, it was more to get to Sophia Patel as uh, Talia Ghul. I actually really don't give a shit who plays Raish, uh, if I'm being honest. I don't care. I don't even know if you need him so much. I mean... He's really the less interesting character. Bring back Gordon Chan, man. He, he's the less interesting character because it, it makes uh, more sense uh, for Talia and Bruce. And again, not just because, you know, they're hot for each other. Uh, it makes more sense uh, that there's actually a chance that he will, like, buy into her 
her worldview because of how it's uh, usually presented to him through her as opposed to uh, Raish. So uh, yeah, get, let's get that let's get that going again. Alrighty, well, thank you very much for that. Uh, my last selection also comes with a pitch, and it is an obscure. Uh, Batman villain. Um, you see a brief mention of him if you are in, a, in the Bat fandom, perhaps in uh, The Dark Knight Returns, uh, and that is the film freak. Do we know the film freak? I'm vaguely aware of the who film does movie themed murders, and I want to see this rated R uh, film in which there is a serial killer on the loose. You're going to get your wish, man. Uh, that, that's the thing that's all the studios think now is making a rated R is going to bring bring the butts. Yeah, uh, make it full-out rated R. It's a full-out scary, scary movie-themed killer. I'm thinking lots of Hitchcock, lots of Vertigo. I'm thinking lots and lots of that kind of stuff uh, playing out in the movies and just sort of knowing things about John Ford and the searchers in order to figure it out. And It's, it's really just a big, fat mystery. And Batman, more uh, less uh, the martial arts uh, kick him up master and more the uh, great detective the world's greatest detective that's the role i want to see him playing and the uh the casting for film freak is a director who does a little bit of acting who would be uh, excellent at playing a sort of a cinephiliac maniac and that's quentin tarantino uh Ooh, i don't know if i care to see him in anything anymore well i mean i've got my problems with him but nonetheless i think he'd do the role well fair enough and and that's that's really the thing is i think he would not knock it out of the park and it would be very, very fun to see. So there you go, dear listener. Those are our selections. We'd like to hear yours or your feedback about the things that we said. You can do that via those magical means of social media already mentioned uh, earlier in the program. I think now, though, it's time to get down to business. Yes, business. Yes, business time. I know what you're trying to say. You're trying to say it's time for business. It's business time. That's right, dear listener, and just like Dr. Chase Meridian, we want to get down to business ASAP and talk some analysis about Batman. It explains why Dalton in his silk robe and uh, tiny Teddy. It's the only way I know how to do it. Yeah, uh, well, uh, I guess we could start there first. Let's just talk about women's issues and this film. Gentlemen, um, there are some problems. Who, buddy, are there? Uh, yeah, I mean, we've, we've kind of did our best to... Um, tiptoe around this issue in our reviews because i think there's a lot of nice things to say about nicole kidman in this movie and i don't want anything that we have to say about her character in this movie to reflect reflect poorly on her uh should, should we go ahead and start with uh, drew barrymore and debbie mazar uh as oh uh two faces girlfriends sugar that's, and spice sugar christ and spice, i forgot yeah. those are their credited names uh i guess that's a good place to start with the, the, the some of the issues in this film well i mean if you get uh, the job you have if you're a woman in this film is to be turned on to a man and do everything you can to meet his every need and seduce him whenever possible yeah, pretty much. That's that's what you do if you're a woman. If you have in Batman Forever. In Batman Forever. Let's go ahead and be careful. Yeah, in yeah. Batman Forever. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yes. Yes. Yeah. In Batman Forever. We 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 um we deplore this position. At yeah, the we do not agree we, with this. Was, however, that's what you do. That's what you're good for. Now go and make me a sandwich, sugar. I mean, that's exactly what it sounds like. It's real weird, man. Uh, that whole sequence of all of the the pampering and uh, primping and cooking they they did for Two Face during the day is really gross uh, and i know it's supposed to be gross like i think the movie knows that it's gross and yet the hero's relationship with uh women isn't all that dissimilar uh, and i don't not. know that joel schumacher is doing that on purpose if he is kudos but he could have been a little bit more obvious about it 
Yeah, I, I got nothing other than I feel very, very icky. I, I don't know if there's anything more depth-wise to say about it. I mean, we definitely have sort of our virgin horror thing working with Sugar and Spice. And then uh, we've got Chase Meridian, who is, again, uh, sort of a caricature of uh, Freudian suppression, repression. She's, she's a caricature of uh, every uh, person that's ever had a boner for uh, scary people. Uh, and that's the the way that they choose to write her dialogue about uh, yeah. being attracted to bad boys is just really bizarre. And the turn of being like, you know what, never mind, I'm hot for Bruce Wayne now, makes no sense. It just kind of happens apropos of nothing. Um, honestly, her having the giant boner for Batman, while portrayed in a way that's pretty gross, is not as weird as her having a giant boner for Bruce Wayne. It yeah. makes way more sense. He's pretty uh, Because her scenes with Bruce are just Val Kilmer being a doofus. <laughs> every single every single scene that Val has with her uh, out, out of Batman gear, he's just being a big old dork. Yeah. Yeah. I, I Just one, one last point to add insult to injury in terms of the treatment of women. We do have one scene with Chris O'Donnell and a young lady. He rescues her from a group of, uh, again, marauding uh, Dayglo pirates. Ooh, yeah, this scene's and, bad. And the line is, doesn't Batman ever kiss the girl? And I could get used to being a superhero. He straight up gets rewarded with a woman for doing violence. That is a bad message to send five-year-old boys. Batman Returns coming out in 1995. It's me. I'm the five-year-old boy I in this, this equation. Yes. Don't don't tell a child that. Children see superhero movies. Yeah. You guys know children are seeing these films, right? Don't tell anybody that, but especially don't tell a fucking child. Oh, boy. Yeesh. So I vote no. Yeah, I mean, there's really not much more to say about it than it, it doesn't work and it's bad all of the time. I think the more interesting issues at play, it, it, it really comes down to this franchise as a whole. This, this whole four-movie set, I mean, if you really get into what's going on with the women in all four of these movies, it never works at all. Uh, it comes closest to working with Michelle Pfeiffer, and that's just because most of that movie is about her. Um, and... Every turn, uh, it seems to me, uh, of these four movies, again, only three of them have I seen recently, enough to really comment on them. It really always does feel like one step forward and two steps back every time there is a scene featuring a, a love interest or a female character. There's not a uh, there's not a love interest in four in Batman and Robin, I don't think. I Poison don't... Ivy is to an extent. Yeah. yeah. It's a sort of love triangle yeah. with, with Robin. Yeah, but there isn't really a love interest per se. Yeah. I mean, the love interest He's is... got a girlfriend, I think, that goes to the... Yeah, it's Alicia Gallo. Silverstone and uh, Chris O'Donnell yeah. are, are the ones that get the, the, the romance subplot. Yeah, so... And again, I haven't seen that movie long and long enough to... Or recently enough to comment on uh, what uh, Uma Thurman and Alicia Silverstone get to do in that film. But speaking for this film... And, and again, credit where credit is due... Uh, as we have said, Nicole Kidman is really good in this movie. She's having a ton of fun, but she is being done a disservice as an actress, and it's a real shame. All righty. Well, I'm going to move on to the next theme, and that is the big, big uh, E on the I chart, and that is Freudian psychoanalysis. Uh, moreover, pop Freud. Um, at, that's going on. So we've got a handful of things happening here. We've got the amazingly repressed right uh, uh chase meridian character but also there is a weird way in which i think we can see the sublimations going on the riddler character uh, edward nigma's got a hot got the hots for bruce wayne right? oh yeah big time yeah, oh definitely. buddy and, yeah edward nigma yeah. wants to get down 
and with Bruce Wayne. Sublimated that into his work, and if he can appreciate his work, then it can work. I mean, this is this is civilization as discontents, you know. Again, yeah. and then broadest of strokes is it the reason why we're not in the bushes having sex all the time is because we repress our sexuality and we have put together societal structures so that we can build things like cities and art. And uh, because otherwise, if we were just doing what we wanted to do, all we really want to do is bone. Right. Um, ever. <laughs> That's the argument that would have once been made. Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, I, I, I think we have found that uh, human psychology is a little bit more complicated than that. Right. But uh, it is uh, something that bears mentioning from time to time. The broadest of strokes and civilization in its discontents is a bit more nuanced than that. Although Correct. it is a bit out of fashion as well. Um, but yeah, so we've got that going on. And I don't know what else to say other than. Uh, it, it's this weird thing where you can just simply say, hey, you know, uh, it's a Rorschach test. You must have a thing for bats. Um, it's a professional sort of assumption. It turns it turns psychoanalysis into a kind of magic. Well, I think what it does, it, it kind of ties back into what we were talking about with Chase Meridian, right? Every one of the four principles, and even if we include Chris O'Donnell, every one of the five principles in this film has a dual nature. And I, again, that's why the dream doll having two sides is just too damn much. Because, yes, we yeah. get it. Bruce Wayne and Batman are two separate people. There's two Two-Faces. There's the Riddler and Edward Nygma. There's uh, clinical psychologist Dr. Chase Meridian and lingerie model Dr. Chase Meridian, who uh, is into guys that have motorcycles uh, and full latex bodysuits. And there's uh, Robin, who, uh, you know, that's literally his entire character arc is is coming to terms with uh, wanting to be two people. He's Batman Jr. Exactly. I mean, yeah. that's really what I think it comes down to is this desire to act out uh, your, your desires and to see your desires acted out by other people as well. Uh, and I think that that's a big part of why the Riddler is drawn not only to Batman but also Two-Face in this movie, right? I mean, there there is this whole thing of this fascination with these dudes who just are doodlier than him, who are tougher than him, who are more capital M, in quotes, masculine than him. Um, hey, Two-Face, show me how to throw a punch. It's a good scene. It's a very funny scene. It is. Um, I really do love that uh, Jim Carrey is just kind of a, a pansexual uh, imp in this movie. I think it's a fun portrayal for uh, the, the Riddler, in the, especially in this world that uh, Schumacher's created. Um, but but I, I, I think at what, what it's getting at is is trying to tie back into that duology um, theme, and it just it's too much. It really is for me. Um, that's all that I have to say about your points about the those psychoanalysis-y things. Uh, and that's really all I have to say as well, other than just, it's so broad brush, and it's just, you know, I mean, I get it's a kid's movie, but why are we doing it at all? Why do we need it in the first place? It's not necessary. There's two Bruce Waynes, you know? Well, I, I think a lot of it, I feel like that's what the uh, creative team really felt like the only thing they understood about Batman mm -hmm. was, and they were really trying to drive this home. They're, they couldn't get the more nuanced aspects of, you know, the Batman psychoses. And exactly, you know, kind of where his, you know, kind of issues and troubles really lie. And, uh, and, and I think the more general populace even identifies more with the understanding that this kind of idea of Batman as being two people. And I, th I would assume that they really just wanted to drive that home. And I know there were even some uh, additional uh, scenes and sequences that were cut or ch and changed that kind of they tried to go different directions, I think, with the psychology stuff. Uh, but mm -hmm. they wound up with what was in the film. There's some stuff on the behind-the-scenes uh, documentaries mm -hmm. that really kind of go into that stuff. But I, I think it was – I think going back to what Dalton said, I think, in his review is they were really trying to add that edge. Or maybe – I think or Dustin said it wouldn't – you know, they were trying to do that Tim Burton thing and add some kind of depth and grit or darkness to this. And that was really the only thing they could hook onto, and they just 
try to knock it out of the park. I think what what does work about it for me is, you know, there's a a common treatment, and this is really uh, what we get a lot in a Nolan's franchise, right, is the idea that Bruce Wayne's the mask and Batman uh, is, is the real person. I, I like the idea that, no, they are, in fact, two separate people. They are t- Bruce is good at being Bruce. It's that there's the Bruce that Bruce is when he's with Alfred at the mansion by himself, and then there's the Bruce that Bruce has to be out in public. Um, and that's the real split. And it's the Bruce that Batman, that the Bruce that he is at home is also the Batman he is at home. It's really there's three Bruces. There's Bruce at home, in and out of costume, Bruce out and about in costume and Bruce out and about in a tuxedo, right? It's and I, I think that's really the more interesting take. I think looking at it as, oh well Batman's who he really is. Yeah, okay, sure, fine. Okay, that's one way to do it. But we've kind of done that to death at this point. Yeah. And I think that's what works about it for me in this movie is because we've done so much of that over the last fifteen years or so, I, it's nice to go back and see that we have played with Batman's uh, dual identities in different ways throughout his history, you know, his almost 100-year history now as a character. I, I think it's more interesting to engage with the idea that he's all of these guys all the time, uh, and it's just turning up certain knobs at different times uh, and at different moments. I think the idea that he's Batman is boring because I think what's much more interesting is that he's still that little kid who watch his parents get shot. Uh, and I think this movie plays with that a little bit more than the other films um, in a way that, again, Keaton does this really interesting thing with the, the fractured psyche of Bruce Wayne uh, in both of his movies. But I, I like what Schumacher's going for. Again, I don't, I don't think it lands it, obviously, as we've talked about it. It feels very surface level, and it just ties into too many things uh, in the film that are doing the same work. But I, I like the idea in principle well enough. Fair enough. Now, here's an idea I do like that that is sort of being played with, and I, I guess what I want to talk about is just sort of the uh, the beginnings of analysis, and it's going back to the initial observation that Riddler's clearly at least pansexual, mm-hmm. if not, you know, I, I, no telling. And, uh, I, I think he, he – I mean, because he seems uh, pretty into being part of uh, Two-Face's weird uh, – sex party that he's got going on yeah that's true. i think he's just down to fuck yeah that's probably well okay. he, he's just pumping all the time <laughs> always pumping. pumping uh so okay we've got that and then we have uh chase meridian and her kink being bad boys and then we've got the bat nipples mm-hmm. the first appearance of the bat nipples yep. uh they would become much more prominent uh and, and the glorious bat codpiece right and did you guys and- notice that robin's codpiece is way bigger Anybody else? I did notice. Okay. I'm just making sure it wasn't just me. It was prominent. It's way bigger. It's, way it's a it? lot bigger. It's significantly larger. Or is it just the cut of the suit? Um, I mean... Because he has that like, weird onesie thing going I'm on. I'm just saying the man's got a long inseam. Hey. All right. Well, uh, I'm not I, taking anything from Chris. It is ridiculous. <laughs> it's, it's just absurd. Like, it, it's a cod piece. It juts out. It's, I'm just saying Robin seems like the kind of guy that's stuffing a sock down there. I mean, he definitely is. He's in, he's like, what, 17, 18 years old? Chris, Chris, 30-year-old Chris O'Donnell playing 18-year-old Dick Grayson, yeah. by the way. We haven't talked about that. Yeah, as a grown man who needs to be taken care of by Bruce Wayne. But you're right. And, Award of the state, Chris yeah. O'Donnell. Yeah, yeah. I think what what you're bringing up, though, Dustin, as, as we get into the bat nipples, which is, you know, Schumacher's most infamous contribution to this character Schumacher is playing with how horny all these characters are, and he's the only, with the exception of uh, Catwoman and Burton's movie, uh, he's the only filmmaker that has tackled Batman that leans into just how damn horny everybody is. It's it's definitely a queering of everything that's going on. Batman's king is black latex. Hey, guys. They make a line. uh, That's not just this movie. That's just Batman. Uh, I'm sorry if you're mad about this, nerds. Go read a damn comic book. Everybody in those things is horny. 
All of them. Every last one of them. Hornty? Hornty. I, I threw a T in there. I thought it would be fun. Uh, I don't know what I was doing, I, man. I don't know what happened. No, we don't either. My point is, uh, Schumacher catches a lot of shit for the bat nipples, and I think it really is just uh, having fun with what has always been the subtext of Batman. Yeah, I, I agree. And again, I don't know what that reading exactly is and how you would put that all together, but there is something in which every single character that has any sort of development whatsoever, that there is, uh, again, this sort of polyamory of Two-Face. There is the fetishization that's going on with Batman himself, the pansexuality of the Riddler. There is, uh, again, uh, Chase Meridian's particular kinks, you know, which, again, bad boys and that kind of stuff. I remember some of the photo promos, uh, a very, very sort of alluring photograph of uh, Val Kilmer outside the bat suit holding a pair of bat cuffs uh, with uh, an open cuff by his lip. Uh, really? Yeah, I'll, I'll find it and I'll send it to you. Um, <laughs> Schumacher had fun with the marketing on this yeah, movie. Yeah, I'm telling you guys, um, it is uh, there. There is a way in which uh, the 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 sort of deviance of sexuality, especially sort of '90s climate, no. uh, is dealing with is being normalized by this film. And I think that's probably the, the sort of queer sim- cinema uh, contributions Schumacher is making here to the Batman. Well, and and I think what's interesting about that is you know during the um, not the Hayes Code. Um, that's films. The Comics Authority. Yeah. Uh, during the Comics Authority days, you know, they kept going to, well, look at all these scenes of uh, Bruce Wayne palling around with this, this kid that he's clearly going to have sex with. I, I think it's the movie being like, fuck you. You don't know. That's not what this is about. It's horny as hell, but that's not what it's about. And yeah. I, I think it is Schumacher uh, standing up and proudly saying, yeah, you're right. Batman is sexually deviant, but not in the way that you are trying to pretend that it is. It's just that everybody is horny for each other. And I think that's a really interesting place to go with these characters. Every man's got their vice. Uh, Batman's is fucking. Mine's <laughs> resurrection. Uh, yeah, I knew what you were doing there. <laughs> I knew what you were doing. So, well, there you go, dear listener. Those are our thoughts. Oh, oh no, no, oh, dear sir. We have not even no, touched on. We haven't on. even talked about the prophecy. Yeah, you've been over Batman here forever. talking about uh, the prophecy. The prophecy. The fact that Edward Nigma invents fucking Netflix in this movie. In virtual reality TV, 3D TV. 3D. Oh, yeah. He yeah. foreshadows. 20 years later. Well, I think what it does so interestingly is he he fills his noggin by draining yours, right? He he taps into your brain and gives you exactly what you want, and by telling him exactly what you want, you are giving him enough brain power to do nefarious things. Mm-hmm. Um, hi, uh, that's just using the internet. Yeah. Uh, because every single major internet service uses an algorithm, to f- uses algorithms to figure out what you are into, and uses the brain power that uh, its 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 robots uh, ascertain. Okay, I'm getting a little too nerdy on you. I'm not even nerdy. I'm getting a little too doomseeky. Uh, my <laughs> point is, what the Riddler's plan is is to use people's brains to make himself smarter, and that is exactly what Amazon and Netflix and Hulu and all of these other providers Google. are doing. And Google, they are yep. using your searches, they are using your preferences, and they you are they are using your habits to make their product smarter. Mm-hmm. Uh, and while they're not making Jeff Bezos smarter, they sure are making him richer. Um, and the you, it's, it's this implicit agreement between um, the consumer and the provider that the consumer is going to be beholden to you and give something of itself to you. Um, and again, it's not something that was happening in 1995. The Internet was barely a thing. We didn't even really know what we were going to use it for yet, other than, you know, porn we had figured that out it, yay batman forever there's a reason it's horny <laughs> everybody was horny in 1995 that's funny well, uh, but heard- but again think about it i mean that that is the idea right he he's giving you exactly what you want but you're leaving the door open for him to take anything that he wants 
Uh, and, and I think that really does foreshadow and uh, kind of accidentally predict these privacy concerns that we have now with letting um, semi-intelligent uh, computer algorithms, uh, letting them figure out what we'd like for us. You heard it here first, dear listener. Corporations are, in fact, people, and those people are supervillains. That is the good trash Correct. podcast. Uh, yeah, I'll agree. I'll agree with uh, the Supreme Court decision on uh, People United, uh, only to the extent states that. United. Uh, st- thank you, Citizens United. Citizens United. What yeah. did I say? States? Did you say states? Yes, I thought you, you said did. citizens. I meant citizens. Hey, guys, we're here to talk about movies, not civics. <sighs> uh, but, but yeah, no, uh, they're bad. They're bad, and uh, kudos to Batman Forever for accidentally figuring out a, a concern we didn't know we had yet. Yes. And that's that's got to be worth something. That, that is, absolutely is. When you said the prophecy, I thought I fell asleep. I, I was like, <laughs> I, I don't know what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, you seemed legitimately baffled. I was confused, but I like that very, very much. Thank yeah, you, you didn't pick up on that? I did. I did. I just didn't. I, I thought about other things. I wish you had uh, thought to bring it up. Yeah. Did, when, at what point were you like, wait a second, this looks familiar? Well, I was like, oh, yeah. I was like 3D tech. I was like, what if Schumacher saw some sort of demos and that kind of stuff about it? But I, I really didn't think about the nefarious plot yeah. to make this. I mean, the idea of 3D projection wasn't yeah. anything you knew. I mean, we've been yeah. doing that before. But the idea of, you know, this kind of virtual reality immersion of what we were experiencing now, you know, especially the rise of VR. I think that's really heavily foreshadowing as well. But yeah, yeah the algorithm it, hacking didn't enter my mind. Well, and again, I think that's yeah. that's the issue that the movie doesn't see, obviously, because it doesn't know to look yeah. for it. But it sees it purely by accident. Yeah. It's just by the fact that the tech taps into your brain and figures out your deepest, most wanted-to-watch thing. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's just what Netflix does for me every single day damn day that I turn it on. Mm-hmm. Bruce Wayne has bats on the brain. Dalton Stewart has, well, it's none of your business. Uh, Wormwood. <laughs> r- Wormwood and Gilmore Girls right now. <laughs> on his brain, which completely makes sense. Yeah, that's my brand. All right, well, there you go, dear This listener. is your brain on drugs. <laughs> oh, my. Well, this is my brain on verdicts. Uh, we're going to make a verdict about uh, Batman Forever Shelf or Trash, else or instead. I go to you first, Mr. Arthur Gordon. The coin does not have a say. Let's hear what you have to say. That was my uh, Nun Country for Old Men meets. Okay. Yeah, that's I, funny. I picked up what you're doing. That's funny. Uh, Javier Bardem is my favorite Two Face. Um, yes. I. Uh, yes. You know what? I'm going to shelf it. I'm going to go out there. There's one. If we're going to say one movie this you month. You already did. I uh, I did. I bought it. It's, I got all four of them, though. It's worth the money. It was worth the 10 bucks I spent for all of them on Blu-ray with like. 20 hours of documentaries and stuff. For $2.50, yeah, it's worth it. So, yeah, I, I definitely say shelf it. I, I, I think it needs to be revisited and re-looked at. And I wouldn't say the same about some of the others, but I, I liked it. I had a good time. I'll probably check it out again. Um, uh, with it, though, I want you to uh, recommend some movies uh, with this fine ensemble uh, where, with uh, each of these actors playing a, a bit of a better, stronger role. I'm going to say for Jim Carrey, you watch The Truman Show. I uh, I think for Tommy Lee Jones, there are a couple ways. I mean, Tommy Lee Jones' filmography is filled with great movies where he's playing great roles. Uh, but one that's near and dear to my heart uh, a few years before this is Lonesome Dove, um, which is just an epic miniseries uh, that's fantastic. Uh, great performances from him and Robert Duvall and Ricky Schroeder. Uh, rest uh, in Danny peace. Glover. Danny Glover. Uh, uh, and Angelica Houston. He has a deep cast. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, 
Diane Lane. Uh, anyway. Oh, fuck. I forgot Diane Lane. Yeah, you're right. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, uh, so, yeah, check out uh, Lonesome Dove, another Western. And you, you, you want to check out Val Kilmer. There's only one movie you got to look at, and that's Tombstone. That's Tombstone's right. Uh, and finally, for Nicole Kidman, I just checked this one out from this year, and it's great. And that is The Beguiled. Uh, Sofia Coppola's uh, 2017 uh, drama uh, remake of The Beguiled uh, with Nicole Kidman, and she is just fantastic. And so I, I like Nicole Kidman, and so show her some love. All righty. Well, thank you very much for that, Mr. Arthur Gordon. Mr. Dalton Stewart, what do you say? Shelf or trash? Elsa instead. I'm with Arthur, man. If you're going to shelf any movie from this marathon, because we've trashed the other two, this one is definitely worth it. It's such a fucking oddity. It's so strange. It, the fact that a studio, Warner Brothers, one of the big boys, one of the biggest movie studios on the planet, made this weird movie. And they let Joel Schumacher just do whatever he wanted to do for two movies. He got Guys, he made this and they let him do it again. That's insane. That is absolutely baffling. This belongs on a shelf way before you put uh, either of the the, uh, movies featuring Ben Affleck as Batman on the shelf. It belongs on the shelf probably before any of the Nolan movies other than Dark Knight. Uh, I mean, Batman Begins is great. Uh, And Dark Knight Rises is strong in spite of itself. But as far as just, like, weird cultural value, I'd go Dark Knight, then Batman Forever in terms of ones you've got to have on the shelf because it's so strange. It's so bizarre. And... Again, when it works, man, does it work. That opening set piece at the bank is one of my favorite Batman set pieces, period, with no qualifiers necessary. I just think it's that strong. And again, you're, you're right, Dustin. Everything Dustin has said, listener, is absolutely correct. It's, it's got a lot of problems. It's pretty boring in places. It's too long. The gender stuff alone really just makes long stretches of the, the film really unpleasant to watch. And all of that said, it is such a, a strange cultural artifact that I think it, it's it's worth reminding yourself that it exists from time to time. What should you watch with it? I, I think Arthur has set you up with some great picks of other films from these uh, this cast. I'm going to set you up with some other Joel Schumacher films. Uh, we have done a lot of Joel Schumacher this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, first and foremost is, uh, I think, one of his strongest films, and it's the film where he's really restraining himself the most, and it's A Time to Kill. Um, it, it's, you know, it's his courtroom drama. Uh, it's, we did it earlier this year. Uh, Arthur, were you on that show or was it just me and Dustin? Uh, it was a two-hander. Okay. Did we have a guest on that one? I don't remember. I think it was just you and me. Uh, but I, I think A Time to Kill is doing some things that we didn't know to do with race in 1994. I mean, it came out, that's the other wild thing. He did A Time to Kill right around the same time he did Batman Forever uh, and Batman and Robin. I think what is really interesting about that movie is... It starts off being about very um, explicit and um, wanton uh, and violent racism. And by the end of the movie, starts engaging with um, really kind of day-to-day, very casual racism that we didn't really start talking about as a society. Uh, Well, let's, let's, let's be honest. It's something that white people were not thinking about in the 90s. And Joel Schumacher fucking calls it because there's a lot of great scenes with uh, Matthew McConaughey and Samuel Jackson in that movie with Samuel Jackson questioning McConaughey's motives, questioning McConaughey's allyship and the quality of his allyship. And it's it's really fascinating, uh, the questions that that film is asking uh, really 20-some-odd years before um, popular culture as a whole was really wrestling with those things. Um, and it's just kind of shocking to me. It's, it really is almost too good for Schumacher because he is kind of 
He's one of the good trash kings, man. He he makes some great trash. Um, what's some of the, the trashier stuff he makes? I'm glad you asked. You got to check out Flatliners. Uh, yeah. Dustin and I never did get around to going to see that remake, but uh, 1990s Flatliners is is something weird. Um, and, and honestly, right up there with The Time to Kill, probably one of the best Schumachers. You're going to close it out with Phone Booth starring uh, Kiefer Sutherland and Colin Farrell. Um, really, you've just got to get those. Wow, we nailed uh, almost all of the, the times they teamed up other than Lost Boys just there alone. I forgot how many times they worked together. Yeah, but... Um, so those are the three Schumachers, I'm going to say, that you, you pair with this because it's going to get you a really kind of wide swath of his career and the kind of just weird, big-budget schlock that he makes. Absolutely. Thank you very much for that, Mr. Dalton Stewart. Um, I am also going to say Shelf. Really? Because did it, we did we did we make the case for you? No, just because it, it is so weird. Okay, it, it, it's problems. Uh, it, it's definitely got all kinds of, but it, it weebles and warbles as you look upon it and you consider it. And yes, there are parts of it that are tumorous and gangrenous, but also there are parts of it that are just so bizarre. Every time you think you've got a handle on it, it falls apart like sand. Yeah, and, and so yeah, absolutely, I think it's worth watching and worth seeing. There are some parts of it I hate. Um, and there are some parts of it that are just genuine, joyful kind of fun. I'm only going to recommend one film, and uh, because we've already said great things uh, so far uh, in um, with my co-hosts here, but I'm going to say another sort of silly comedic send-up of powerful, sometimes often uh, much darker, much more gritty material, also featuring Chris O'Donnell, and that is Chris O'Donnell, Kiefer Sutherland, Oliver Platt. Charlie Sheen, yeah, Tim Curry, yeah, 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 yeah. I love Dalton's face right what now. What is this movie? Mm-hmm. The Three Musketeers. Oh shit! Oh, I forgot about that movie. It's All right, he's one. D'Artagnan. Yeah, and it's so yep. much yeah. stinking fun. It is yeah. ridiculous, silly, and bonkers in a swashbuckling world. Yep. And uh, Oliver Platt as Porthos the Pirate is he's not my good. Favorite he's thing good. Of all time. You know yeah. what I was thinking about? Man, we got to do that. Movie you know what I was thinking? Yeah, show. Perfect for the you know show. what I was thinking though? You know, what would be fun a Disney like live actions marathon. Like, I mean, you got John Carter, Prince Prince of Persia. You could go back and you could do something like the Three Musketeers. You could do uh, you go back and pick up. Uh, no, Legend wasn't um, no. Disney. I forgot what you doing. I'm thinking of. I mean, Flubber. I mean, there's a lot yeah. of stuff. Yeah, uh, there's some real oddities. The Lone there. Ranger. Oh God! The Lone Ranger is a movie I will defend to the death. What the fuck? Really? I love that was like one of his best movies of the year or something that year. All right, we're gonna have to do that movie yeah, on yeah. the show. I will defend the Lone Ranger to the death. I guess we're gonna have to go watch that racist movie. It's not. The movie's not racist. You're wrong. Really? You missed it, huh? I didn't see it. Honestly, I just okay. kind of assumed. Well, so it was technically, racist. you did miss it. Here's the thing: oh, I yeah. see Johnny Depp in a silly hat, and I just want to shit my pants, <laughs> just out of rage, just sheer anger. <laughs> I want them to put that on a movie poster. Here's the thing: I'm going to tell you right now. Um, <laughs> if we watch that movie, I'm stealing it. I, I refuse to pay for that movie. I cannot, in good conscience, <laughs> give money Johnny to Johnny Depp. I can't do it. That's valid. Uh, Gore Verbinski can get my dollars. Army Hammer can get my dollars. Actually, Army Hammer gets a lot of my dollars because he's mean to some assholes on the internet. I love it. Um, all right. That that rant didn't need to be in this show. I'm sorry, guys. That's okay. It's a thing that happened. I got real riled up there for a second. <laughs> you know, because it's what the movies are all about, guys. It's all about these conversations because we can defend things like Batman Forever or The Lone Ranger or Three Musketeers or other weird, wild, wonky, wild things. And so we are now done with our uh, our Threequels Part 3 marathon. What are we call the stupid uh, thing? I believe the official name was uh, Part 3's Part 1. Chapter 1? Part 3's Chapter 1? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. That's why I titled it on the Twitter. Uh, 
because that was easy. Okay, I'm easier with... than whatever you two came up with. Yeah, we we will revisit the subject of lesser part threes. Lesser though. part threes, chapter one, I think was the official title. Chapter two will come sometime in the future, but we are done with that. Next time we'll come back not with a film show. As we say, in fact, we're not done with just that marathon. We're done talking about movies for the year. Yes, right. Uh, last thing we're going to do is we're going to do the Shelvies next time, guys. And uh, we're going to do some self-congratulatory glad-handing with one another and talk about uh, things that we like that we discovered as we watch the show. So if you've been listening with us all year long, there are not 52 shows to listen to. There's somewhere in the 40s, I believe. Yeah, we had a, we had a, a lot of breaks during yes, the summer. A lot of things happened. Many, many, many things happened. And so uh, as, a, as such, we were going to talk about our best and greatest and our most fun that we had and put together the platinum shelf of 2017. So stay tuned for us next time. And then we'll have a brand new marathon starting in January. That's right. It'll be back to anti-trash time. And uh, good times are always had uh, in the month of January, at least for me. Well, I, I, I think it's great to start the year with the anti-trash because it, it really um, it's a very rich way to, to, to get the palate reset for the year and then just throw trash at it for the rest of the 11 months. Much like the rest of my resolutions for the year. Yeah, right. you, spend, you spend four weeks being really good. You watch a lot of world cinema. You watch a lot of classic cinema. And then you just watch anything where uh, Keanu Reeves punches somebody. <laughs> yeah, that's what's going to happen um, starting in January. Uh, but we'll see you next week for the Shelvies. You keep watching. We'll keep talking. And we'll see you all next time. Tuning in to the Good Trash Genre Cast, a product of Good Trash Media. For more Good Trash Genre Cast content, head over to GoodTrashMedia.com. Our intro this week, as always, for the past few months, is a supercut uh, featuring Junkie XL, Hans Zimmer, Wonder Woman score, uh, with some film stuff cut in by myself, Arthur Gordon, and our outro this week from the hit Batman Forever soundtrack, produced by RZA. Is nothing else but Kiss from a Rose by Seal. Baby! A man can tell you so much he can say